This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast, and I am here with Jackie. Welcome, Jackie. How are you? Good. Hello. Thank you for having me. So fun to have you. So um, you are the creator of, of Sober Magic, but you also have your own awesome story to share. So I'm super excited about that. That's right. So just start from the beginning, I suppose. Yeah. Why don't you back us up all the way to the beginning? Okay. Um, I would say my drinking, I'll just start from high school because that's when it all started. Um, I started drinking around 13 and just a little background. I was very confused at the time. I would say I had some childhood trauma as we all do that I didn't know I was going through. Um, I just was a hormonal teenager that didn't know what was going on and didn't know how to express her feelings. Um, And she found alcohol. And at the time it was cool and fun. And I have some older siblings who were drinking and I looked up to them and, um, yeah, I just kind of wanted to be like them. So it started out very, very innocent. Everyone was doing the same thing and it, it was fun for me. Then I got, you know, obviously a little, little bit older at 13. It's very young, but as I started to get older into high school, I started realizing I felt I felt like I could be a different person when drinking and I felt like I could escape the life that I was going through. Again, I don't think at the time I even realized it, but after um, lots of therapy now, (laughs) I realized that that's kind of what I was doing. But, um, but yeah, I felt like I could be a different person. And again, I didn't, I didn't really have anybody to talk to or that I felt like was going through a similar situation with mine. Um, I grew up in a very nice middle-class area and um, my household growing up just had, I don't know, just a lot more drama to it than most people's. So I just, I don't know, I kind of felt alone on the family front. Um, So anyways, it just, it felt like it was a little mask for me. And did your parents drink? Oddly, no. So my grandmother was, she was an alcoholic. Um, She unfortunately passed due to her drinking, um, which also happened when I was in high school. Uh, But my parents, no, they would maybe have a a bottle of beer like over the weekend and that was it uh, because of my grandmother. So that was like, alcohol was always a no-no. So as soon as I got alcohol, I just kind of, you know, rebelled against them a little bit. Um, And then comes college, and that's when the binge drinking started. And that's what I kind of became known for. (laughs) I was a weekend binge drinking girl. Um, I was very good at school, studied really well. I, you know, graduated my first year of college with a 4.0, did my homework, did everything Monday through Thursday, wouldn't have a drop of alcohol. And that stayed true to my story until I stopped drinking. So my drinking career, I only drank on the weekends, but 
every single time I drank, I binge drank and began to black out. And that all started in college. But at the time in college, I felt like everybody was doing it. And so it seemed very normal. Um, it didn't seem out of the ordinary or out of place. And at that time, no one was really concerned for me. Um, granted, as I got out of college, that went a little bit differently. But so graduated college, again, did well in school. And I think because of the fact that I did well in school, that also made me think like um, I didn't have an issue with alcohol, that I was normal. Um, graduated, and, but the binge drinking didn't stop. So I got a professional job, worked nine to five, essentially kept my same schedule. Uh, working Monday through Friday, nine to five, as soon as Friday, 5 p.m. came around, I had a beer or a glass of wine or anything. It was ready for me and I was ready to go. <laughs> um, so that was kind of my story for a long, long time. And it took a turn um, a little over five years ago. My dad unexpectedly passed away. Mm. And it came, I mean, it just, it blew our world up. Came out of nowhere. He was training for a marathon. He was very healthy and he had a heart attack while training. Um, and none of us saw it coming. And uh, since growing up, you know, I didn't know how to express my feelings. Um, and so I kept that in for a very long time. And I was the oldest of my siblings and I felt the need to keep it together. There was a lot going on after he passed that happened afterwards. And I just felt like, I had to keep it together for them. And then that I, I felt like I had to show them that everything would be okay. And again, it's like I went back to my high school ways and put on a mask, like everything was okay. Everything's going to be okay. But on the inside, I was dying, absolutely dying. Um, and that went on after his passing for about three and a half years. And the binge drinking just... It didn't stop, but the blackouts came quicker. Uh, what I did in my blackouts were way worse uh, because the alcohol was heightening my emotions. And when you're grieving, that's, I mean, gosh, I mean, I cried every single time I drank. I lashed out. I yelled. I threw things. I said and did things that never, it honestly, baffles me thinking about it now. Um, along with that, though, I was very, very depressed and my drinking did not help <laughs> that I've now learned did not help at all. Um, so I ended up in a very deep depression, the most depressed I've ever been. And again, kind of along with sobriety, therapy, was not an option for me because it never really was. I didn't grow up talking about mental health, so mm -hmm. I didn't really know what to do. The only thing I knew how to do was drink, you know? Um, and again, I think because my dad died, people, you know, they were just like, oh, you know, she's grieving. It's okay if she blacks out <laughs> um, every single weekend. But um, it, again, years passed and it never got better. 
And so then in January 2018, my boyfriend, who's my now husband, suggested we do a dry January. And had he not suggested, I don't think I ever would have done it. But he was just like, you know, we've been drinking a lot. It's Christmas, the holidays. Let's just like try to go a month without alcohol. I was like, sure. Okay. Whatever you say. And I took it as I was detoxing. Um, and I did it. I did 30 days, no problem. However, the thing was I had no intention of being sober afterwards. Mm -hmm. So as soon as those 30 days were up, I went straight back into drinking, except this time it was worse. It's almost like I had a mini relapse because I did the 30 days, but I knew I wasn't going to be sober. And then as soon as I picked it up again, it just, it's insane. It was, it was so downhill and I blacked out quicker again. The way I was lashing out and doing things is crazy to me now. Like my go-to move blacking out was running away. I would just run away in the middle of the night. I wouldn't get into taxis. I would stay out until 3 a.m. in the dark in a neighborhood by myself, which is terrifying. Um, and I suppose things started trickling down or the seeds begin to plant. And it all kind of started with that uh, dry January because that's also when I started uh, my old blog. I used to do, I used to just blog to kind of type out my feelings and occasionally do recipes. And I started that during the dry January and I felt really good that month. And when the dry January was up, my depression it got worse and the drinking got worse. And a few months after that, I was talking to my husband. I was like, what happened? Or my boyfriend at the time I was like, what happened? I felt so good in January. Like what happened? And I thought about it to myself a few days later. And I was like, you know what? I wasn't drinking. Mm -hmm. I still didn't have the click, but I started to think about it. I started to think about possibly living a life sober, but it still took me a few months. Um, there were, you know, a lot of things that led up to it. A lot of bad blackouts that led up to it. Um, me and my boyfriend were hanging on by a thread. Um, it's, and it was obviously like the number one strain in our relationship, but you know, most drink a lot or was it kind of both of you or not really? Um, like back in the day when we first graduated college and met, like, yes, he was binge drinking too. And our whole friend group was, but he could always stop. He could always have one drink and just be okay or not drink at all. Like sometimes he'd go to parties and not drink and he'd be the DD. Like me, I was never even putting that out as a possibility for myself, <laughs> you know? Um, but, you know, I would say during my drinking career, you know, he was like, I definitely, me and my friends, like definitely, we were the party group for sure. Um, so again, that was part of the reason I think why I felt like it was normal at the time because there were so many of us partying. Um, and so I would just party every single weekend. But so my depression 
got worse and there ended up being a weekend, my last weekend that I ended up drinking. I had, I suppose, my epiphany four days before I got sober and I was sitting there with my boyfriend, um, now husband, sorry, I keep going back and forth because that's confusing to me because we just got married. <laughs> Congratulations. <That's laughs> Thank awesome. you. Um, and I told him, I was like, hey, I want to stay in. You know, I've, I've been, I was trying to quote unquote moderate. So for me, moderation was rather than blacking out uh, Friday and Saturday, it was just blacking out Saturday and like taking Friday off. <laughs> um, so it was a Friday night and I said, hey, you know, let's just take it easy let's stay in. And he was like, okay. And then he handed me a spiked seltzer from the fridge and I took one sip of it and I immediately changed my mind. And I was like, let's go out with our friends. Let's go party. And he was like, you just said you wanted to stay in. What changed your mind? Mm -hmm. And for once in my life, I like thought about what he was asking me. <laughs> I was like, what changed my mind? And I just, I will never forget it, but I felt the cold spike seltzer in my hand and I just knew then and there, I was like, holy crap, it's like the alcohol. The alcohol is controlling me and turning me into a different person. And I went from wanting to stay in to wanting to black out just by having a sip of alcohol. Right. And that to me blew my mind. And, you know, so many people knew that I had a problem with alcohol before this. You know, my boyfriend at the time, he approached me numerous, numerous times. Um, I had a friend who approached me, but it didn't click until I finally understood what it was doing to me. But there was a birthday party the next day. <laughs> And I didn't know how to go to a birthday party sober because all of my friends drink. I don't know anybody that's sober. And I was like, okay, I had this epiphany, but I don't know how to go to this party sober. So I'm just going to go to it and think about my epiphany on Sunday when I'm hungover because Sundays were always my hangover day, which were awful. By the way, they were filled with so much regret and shame and just mm -hmm. you guys know the awful hangover anxiety um so I went to the birthday party it was a day party I got blackout probably by 5 6 p.m um but I did talk to a friend about my epiphany at the party so it was still on my mind and I blacked out I got mad at my boyfriend and that was a theme. I would black out and misinterpret things because I was in a completely different reality. Um, blacked out, got mad at him for whatever reason. 110% I made something up <laughs> and went home, locked myself in our closet where he could not get in. And next thing I know, I wake up in the morning and there was a cable around my neck. Oh my gosh. What happened? I don't know. If I actually did something, I don't know. I'll never know. If I did it for attention, hoping that he opened the door and found me, I have no idea. But I got 
to a point when I was blackout, I would get very suicidal and I would use it as a threat a lot in my blackouts. And that was the first time where I woke up and I was like, holy crap, what did I do? Did I do anything? Did I not? Like that shook me to the core. That was absolutely terrifying. Absolutely terrifying because in a sober state of mind, I wanted to live. Like, yes, I was depressed, but in a sober state, like I I knew how strong I was and I knew that I wanted to be here. And so again, just with my epiphany and then after my epiphany, this happens. I was just like, this is it. I have to get sober. If this is not like my sign to get sober, I don't know what is. And I cannot put myself in that situation again. Can't put my boyfriend, now husband in that situation again. Like I was like, I just got so lucky. Who knows what could happen down the road? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that morning was really hard. I was crying, talked to my boyfriend. Um, we had a very long talk. So, and, and what was his experience of the evening? Because he woke up in the morning, right? Yep. So I, so, you know, he was so used to me doing things like this. So at, I locked myself in there. He obviously tried to get in. Um, but then I went quiet. So I like either I passed out, probably that's what happened. And so he just figured I passed out. So he went to bed, you know, I had put him through situations like that so many times where he would try and try and try so hard to help me. And he would get to the point where like, he just couldn't anymore. And Mm -hmm. so, you know what I mean? So I feel like he was just so used to scenarios like that. Um, but so yeah, that was incredibly scary. Um, and once obviously when we both realized like how I woke up and this, honestly, the sc- scariest thing is, is like, I actually don't know what happened, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, and that's terrifying to me and heartbreaking at the same time. Um, so I knew the next day I knew I had to get sober. And it's funny because a few weeks before all of this happened, Annie, and this is where you tie into the story, I ordered your book, This Naked Mind, because it says how to control alcohol. Mm -hmm. So I ordered it about three weeks before all of this happened, thinking that I would be able to control my moderation. But I never read it. I never picked it up. (laughs) (laughs) I kept it on my kitchen table and I decided to start reading it the morning that I woke up and realized, ah, this is not about moderating alcohol because I flipped through it. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of where you come in. I, you were the first thing I read the moment. Well, it wasn't actually the moment I got sober because in the book you say you don't have to get sober. (laughs) (laughs) in the very beginning. And you would think that morning was where my sobriety started, but it didn't because that Monday I had a work event. Um, and again, I didn't know how to tell people that I wanted to be sober, but I told myself, cause I was reading your book. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to have like a drink or two and this is going to be my last. 
it's going to be my last. And I, I just knew deep in my heart that it would be. I was just so ready to get sober. I was so ready to start a new life because the life I was living was very sad and it felt like an awful Groundhog Day. Really, it was awful. Um, so I went to the work event. <laughs> I had two margaritas that in the moment I did not even want to drink because that's how much I wanted to be sober. I didn't want to do it. The only reason why I, well, you know, at the end of the day, it's my choice, but I felt uncomfortable telling people that I was sober. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to do that yet. Um, so I had the two drinks and I got back in the car and I looked at my boyfriend. I said, isn't that crazy? And he was like, isn't what crazy? And I said, that was my last drink. And he, of course he took it with a grain of salt. Um, but that was, that was my last drink. And I've been sober ever since June 26, 2018. Congratulations. What a, <laughs> Thank you. Wow, what an awesome, powerful story. And yeah, it's, um, so let me ask you, like, there's so many things that I want to dig into. Yeah. The first thing I'd love to dig into, especially, you know, now as you are a sober coach and like there's, you know, you have expertise and whatnot is I always get asked about the difference between regular daily drinking and binge drinking and, oh, it must be different. And, you know, people will pick up my book and be like, well, you're not a binge drinker, so it's not going to help me. Mm-hmm. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on that and what is different and what is the same? Oh, I mean, gosh, there's so many similarities, but, uh, but so for me, like, I think for me, the reason why they're similar is coping mechanisms. And it obviously depends on what you're using to cope for. But for me, drinking, I used it to cope. I use it. I used it to numb. I used it to relax. And I think a lot of people do that on a day-to-day basis, and maybe it's just one glass of wine. And so they use it to relax throughout the day and things like that. But whenever I got, but the binge drinking though, I don't know. It's just like, it's just at the same, and what differentiates it is once I started, for me, I just, I couldn't stop. I had the mentality of, drinking is pointless unless I'm drunk. That was my mentality. To me, it didn't make sense to have one. It didn't make sense to just like not get drunk to me. I don't know. It just didn't make sense because that's what I was just so used to, so used to. And I guess like it's, it's weird too because I never had the urge to drink during the weekday because I knew how much alcohol, how bad it made me feel. And I hated going to work feeling bad, even though my hangovers would last till towards the end till Wednesday. Like it was awful from the binge drinking, but yeah, I mean, I'd say for me, I think the similarities is more just coping and stress and anxiety, but then Mm -hmm. there's also just the huge, differences too there. I don't know if that answered your question. No, (laughs) for sure. I feel like it's interesting because so often people, I think both are ways to kind of protect ourselves from, from the reality of, of what's happening and how much of a control it has. Cause like when you're, 
when you're only drinking on the weekends, it's so easy to be like, well, I only drink on the weekends. At least Mm -hmm. I don't drink every day. Right. When you only drink every day, it's so easy to be like, well, at least I'm not blacking out, you know? And so on both sides, there's this, this aspect of, um, you know, protection and stuff. And, and I think it is, it is very similar in a lot of ways of, of the stress and the anxiety. Um, and it's interesting too, because if you drink every day, you develop a different level of tolerance to whether maybe you're not blacking out all the time and mm-hmm. maybe things aren't going quite so far off, off the rails. Um, but you're also never giving your body a break. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, yeah. So both, I mean, it's, it's just two sides of the same coin really, but I think it is, something yeah. that it does prevent people from, you know, sometimes either a getting help because they think, well, at least I'm not like that. You know, we can always find someone who's worse off than us. Mm -hmm. And so it prevents us from asking the questions we need to ask. And then also I think it can prevent us from like accepting because we're like, oh, well, we're not like them and not realizing how similar it is. Oh, totally. It's, I mean, when I would, I used to tell people I only drank on the weekend. That was like, I felt so proud. I was like, Mm -hmm. I only drink on the weekend and people would always be shocked. And I think the fact that they were shocked made me feel better. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But. For sure. Absolutely. You're like, oh, okay. Things are still under right. control. <laughs> really. Yeah. Um, which is really interesting. Um, another thing that I was really wanting to dig into is this idea of after your first 30 day break, how things got worse for you. And um, what do you think contributed to that? To getting worse? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Oh, let me think about this. I think the fact that it got worse, I just, the day after, I just dove in. And also there was a part of me that thought, because I've done the 30 days, I can do the 30 days again. Mm -hmm. So to me, the fact that I could do the 30 days meant that I didn't have a problem and that I could quote unquote moderate whenever I wanted to. So it's not necessarily that I wanted to moderate, but the fact that I had the knowing that, oh, I can do these 30 days, like look at me. It was almost like I was trying to prove everybody wrong. Um, But also I realized looking back now, I never wanted to moderate. You know, I just wanted to prove to people that I didn't have an issue because I could stop for 30 days. Right. And so I think that as soon as I just started going, drinking more, like obviously the tolerance wasn't there anymore. I stopped for 30 days. And honestly, that first day back, I was so excited. I was so excited for January to be up that I scheduled a party I scheduled margaritas to be there. Like I was ready to go. And so that night was like a full on party for me. My friends were there, like all my party friends and everything. And so I just, again, I just, I never had the intention of moderating. I was ready to black out. And so that's just, that's just what I did. And I, I, I don't necessarily like know if I blacked out quicker, but my, I, I, my, I just think that I didn't, the depression was there. 
and Mm -hmm. my mental health was incredibly impacted negatively. And even though I felt better the 30 days, um, you know, I think just as soon as that alcohol came into my system and the next day I felt like crap again, I I just wanted to get rid of that. And then I literally went to brunch. So I don't know. It's just like a uh, awful cycle. And then I think the fact, part of the reason why I think I also got, you know, in a little bit of a bigger hole is because I did feel good for 30 days. And then I went from feeling good to feeling bad again. And so I thought like, what's wrong with me? And I really put a lot of blame on myself, which even dug me into a deeper hole. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I feel like, um, there's definitely that, like you prove to yourself, you don't have a problem. But at the same time, you've made it the forbidden fruit. So it becomes mm-hmm. something that you want even more than you had before. And, um, it, and then when you start to do it, it's like, oh, well, this is, this is a problem. And then I always you know, say that, like, what do we do when we feel like there's a problem? <laughs> we drink. So yeah. it becomes this like, really self-fulfilling um, cycle mm-hmm. of drinking. And I, yeah, I think that's, that's really interesting. Um, there was something else I was going to say about the 30 days in particular. Um, during the 30 days, like you said, you had no intention of, of stopping drinking. So it's definitely right. to try to prove to yourself. And did you do any, any work on yourself or anything? Or was it just like, okay, just get through this 30 days? Um, not necessarily work on myself because like I said uh, earlier, therapy was still kind of not an option for me. It's strange because I've always been into mental health and wellness. And I think that, you know, also tied into my excuses. Um, I ate very healthy and I would read a lot of self-help books. Um, so I, you know, I would convince myself that I was doing the right thing, even though I was still having a very hard time, Um, but I wasn't, you know, I didn't go to therapy, but I was being productive and I started my blog and I started just doing things, um, not necessarily that I was at the time passionate about, but I just felt like doing things that I've been wanting to do for a while, things I've been putting off for years, but I didn't necessarily go inward at all whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Had I, would have probably been a different <laughs> outcome after the 30 days. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, and then how, you know, since you've stopped drinking, how has sort of social life been and has it been weird or good or? Um, it's for me, it's been very weird. Um, so, uh, so I have a big group of friends and they were all a bunch of party friends. Um, and even still, uh, uh, everyone's kind of slowed down a little bit cause we've gotten older, but I have a big group of friends and everyone drinks. That's just what they do. Um, so being around them was very hard. I tried to go to a few quote unquote house parties in the beginning and I ended up in tears filled with anxiety. Um, and I just being around alcohol in the beginning made me feel very, very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And my anxiety would go up through the roof. <laughs> so once I realized that, I kind of had to self-isolate a bit as we're doing right now. Um, I really, really needed that. I 
really was by myself, obviously with my boyfriend at the time in the house, but he was still going out and doing things, but I had to, I had to stay away and that was really hard. But even now, I, even now I honestly don't enjoy being around it. Now I don't mind if people are having wine at dinner, but do I enjoy being at a house party where people are getting wasted? Absolutely not. Like even to this day, it still puts anxiety in me. So yeah, it's, it's been weird and challenging, but I've found slowly throughout this sober friends. That's been very hard, but I've found is very vital incredibly vital like it makes such a difference to have some sober friends but I know how difficult it can be Mm -hmm. yeah no it's so good it just does take time and I think I like that you know I love the honesty around that because it is one of those things that like I mean I say it like right at the beginning of my book like I can teach you to not want alcohol now how to survive in society Mm -hmm. that's a different story that can be a little bit more difficult and so that that takes um a lot of compassion for yourself and doing, doing what's right for you uh, at, at the time that it's right for you. So mm-hmm. anyway, no, that's great. And um, what about your, your now husband? How has that whole relationship been going? Yeah. So that, that first day that I got sober, part of our conversation, I was, I was scared that he wouldn't want to be with me. Like I was terrified that he wouldn't want to be with someone that could have wine at dinner or be with someone that goes on a European vacation and has a glass of wine, you know, like, I don't know. That was always such a big part of our life. And he had been around me enough where he's been wanting my sobriety way longer (laughs) than I realized it. Um, But it was challenging in the beginning um, because he does still drink. Um, does he drink a lot? Absolutely not. Like now that I'm sober, he maybe has one drink at dinner, like every three weeks. We don't keep alcohol in the house. Um, not that that's a rule of mine, but it just happens to be. Um, but I will say in the beginning, it was tricky because, you know, here I am. I don't want to tell him what to do. And I don't want to force him to be sober because I don't think that's fair. Um, But at the same time, (laughs) him drinking in the beginning really affected me, really, really affected me. And I, I had to ask him to just be sober around me the first few months. Um, And if he does choose to drink, don't do it around me. Um, definitely had to set boundaries. Uh, that was a big conversation we had to have that didn't happen until a few months later until I realized boundaries needed to be set. Um, but now it's just, it's become very normal for us and he hardly drinks, you know, I think at the same time he was also ready for a life change as well. Like like I said, we both grew up kind of partying together throughout our relationship. And we were both at that point, obviously me, so I wanted to get sober, but we were both ready to step out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the fact that we are both ready to do that made his transition a little bit easier, but it was difficult in the beginning, but now it's like so normal. It's not even an issue. 
That's awesome. And yeah, it's sticking through the hard part so that it becomes so easy. Yes. And so can you expand on the boundaries a little bit? Yes. Um, so for me, the boundaries I had to make, um, and everyone's different, but I, you know, we, I was drinking every single weekend. We used to go out with our friends every weekend. And I, one of the boundaries I met set was, you know, I, I don't want us to be drinking alcohol every single weekend. Not that I was going to be, but I just didn't want that to be the theme, the theme. Exactly. I didn't want to be surrounded by it all the time. Um, so, you know, at first that was a little hard for him because he loves his friends and, you know, our friends are just drinking constantly. So in the beginning, we kind of had to step back and stay away from our friends a little bit until, because, you know, it's a learning curve for you, but it's also a learning curve for your spouse, for your friends, you know, so it takes everybody a little bit of time to get used to it. Um, or at least that's been the case for me. So I had to set a boundary of, you know, I, I don't want you drinking all the time. <laughs> Again, it was difficult for me to say, cause I don't, I don't want to tell him what to do. And, but at the same time, he wanted to support me and he was okay with doing that. Um, but I would say my other biggest boundary was if he did decide to go out with friends and he did decide to quote unquote party, I did not want to be around it. I did not want to see him wasted. If I even saw him blackout, like that just, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to feel like even being around friends. So I can't imagine you. Um, so, you know, he's definitely never gotten wasted since around me since then or blackout. Um, he may have without me there, but that was definitely a boundary I had to set. Um, just that's because it just gives me high anxiety. And I just, again, it was just weird. It's weird. Like setting boundaries and not feeling like you're telling somebody what to do, you know? Yeah. I think, I think in that instance, like I always think of a boundary, um, kind of like, uh, let's see if I can get this analogy that I, I like to use. What you're describing sounds to me more of like an ask, you know, like you're, you're kind of saying, this is what would really help me. This is what I would appreciate. This is what would be great. Mm-hmm. But it's much more than a, like, no, you can't go blackout. It's more like, hey, can you do right. me a favor? Um, and I always think of boundaries like uh, they have to be something we can control for ourselves. So, and, you know, an ask is something that um, we hope that somebody will do for us. But also you're like, okay, well, if you are blacked out or something, then I'm going to go in the bedroom and you're going to be out here on the couch. Like I can physically control where I sleep. Right. Mm-hmm. And then like I can wake up in the morning and and then we can whatever. Uh, but I think of it like a, a house with a fence, right? And you, you have your fence around your yard and you're kind of like, okay, nobody can come over my fence, but people can actually physically come over your fence. And so then we get really, really mad because we're like, you're in my, you crossed my boundary. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, well, it isn't really a boundary unless it, you control it completely. Yeah. And so it's more like, okay, this is my fence. This is my ask. I'd really like you to not come over my fence, but if you do, I'm leaving the yard. And that is like, okay, 
I'm not telling you what to do. I'm asking. And if you do, then, then I'm going to do something that I can do and can control mm-hmm. instead of, because mm-hmm. I think we get really stuck with being like, they crossed my boundary. And it's like, well, they're a human. Right. <laughs> controls yes. their own self. Absolutely. You know, and so I think that's, I don't know if it gives any help to just the differentiation is like a boundary, something where like, I'm going to remove myself if, but there, here's my ask, here's my fence. This is where I'd like us to agree. But yeah. if, if it changes it, it can't just be you staying in the yard saying you crossed the fence, you know, because you can't really help, you know, oh yeah, well. absolutely. And, and I, in the beginning, I also, you know, again, and this was like part of my insecurity, but I was like, I'm going to be sober for the rest of my life. And if that's something that you're not going to enjoy, you need to tell me. <laughs> um, if anything, like the boundaries and asks have like completely opened up our communication and without them, like he want to understand how I feel, you know yeah. what I mean? So it was, it was very hard in the beginning, but man, it's just, it's strengthened us. And he just, he understands now, especially now that I'm almost, you know, I'm down the road, but now he just gets it, you know? So, so great. Um, so cool. So let me ask you, um, so first of all, where can people find you if they want to learn more or listen to your podcast? Yeah. Um, so on Instagram, I'm very active there. You can find me at Jackie bro. That's B R O E. Um, and so I, I do pretty much talk all things sobriety there. Um, and then I have my blog www.sobermagic.com, which is where all of my old blog posts are. Cause I kind of, uh, chronicled my uh, sobriety journey in the beginning And then from that, I've made a podcast, the Sober Magic Podcast. So that's new. It started this January and I am in love with it. It's like therapy for me (laughs) right now in this moment. So I'm really enjoying it. So yeah, I go to listen to the Sober Magic Podcast. And then also I'm on blog, uh, the SoberMagic.com is where you can find sober coaching. And then I don't know when this is airing, but I'm also doing a few free, just virtual Sunday meditations for sober or sober curious people. So you can find that on there as well. That's awesome. That's so great. And then, so what is, you know, if you were going to go back in time and talk to to the girl who is, um, you know, blacking out, only drinking on the weekends and you know, really waking up with the cord around her neck, these, these things that just are so inexplicable now, what would you tell her? What would you say to her? Oh, this one's going to make me emotional. (laughs) I would tell her there's a way out. You can do this your own way. You don't have to be afraid. Um, And that your life by getting rid of alcohol is going to be so much better. It's going to be hard, but you can do it and it's going to break through your life and you're just going to figure out, kind of find, find out who you really are. But yeah, yeah. I would have so much to say. I could write her a whole letter. (laughs) That's so cool. That's great. I like that idea of finding out who you really are. It's mm-hmm. like peeling back the layers. To be yeah, like, oh, totally. Oh, there you are. I missed you. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Forgot you were even down there. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much, Jackie. It's really been fun. Of course. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, have a great day. We'll talk soon. Thank you. You too. Bye, Annie. Bye. Hey, it's Annie Grace. I want to tell you about the most important book that I never wrote. And I mean that. This is This Naked Life. It's 48 true stories of people finding freedom from alcohol. And it's so inspiring. It's our stories, as you know from this podcast, that truly change us, that revolutionize what we believe is possible for ourselves. So it's This Naked Life. You can find it on Amazon or check it out online, even download it 100% free at nakedlifestories.com. And every single copy that you buy, all the proceeds are 100% committed to keeping the alcohol experiment forever free for anybody who needs it. So check it out. It's such an inspirational book. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.